Hiya, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everything in between. Uh, welcome to another episode of The Kevin Clifton Show. And before we kick off, I'd just really like to say a massive thank you to everyone who has been listening so far. I've had such an incredible response to the first few episodes of The Kevin Clifton Show, um, especially that first episode where I was sort of talking quite openly about some of my struggles and anxieties and things that I go through um, as a performer and as a person. I didn't know what to expect, really, uh, um, when getting things out there, just sort of saying, this is my life, this is what goes on for me. Um, I didn't know how people would, would react to it. And um, it, was, it was quite a, a nice experience for me, really, just, just getting it all out there and saying it and sort of owning it. And then the response from um, all of you lot has just been so lovely. And, and I've had loads of messages saying, thank you so much for, for doing that. I related to a lot of the things that you were saying. Um, and it's really kind of helped me in, you know, and knowing that other people go through exactly the same kind of anxieties, um, pressure that you put on yourself, um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the people are just relating to it and, um, and therefore it makes it easier knowing that, you know, everyone kind of goes through this stuff because sometimes if you're thinking negative things or, or having a struggle with something, you think that you're the only person going through it and then and that, that can feel sort of quite lonely and isolating and, and you don't know what to do about it. But when you normalise it, when you, when you hear other people talking about it, I think that can help. So um, I'm glad that some of you have got something out of it. And also just thank you for being interested in, in anything that I've got to say. Now on that theme, I, I was, I've got lots of great guests sort of lined up to talk to on the show, but I was really inspired actually to record this episode in particular because the other night I watched a documentary on the BBC. I think it was called Odd One Out. And it was Jesse Nelson from um, the ridiculously popular girl band Little Mix. And she was talking about the struggles that she's gone through with sort of online trolls and people having a go at her and how it affected her life and how once she became famous through, um, through being a singer and being a pop star, how it really affected her and, and how she hated what she was going through. She hated the life of sort of being a pop star or being famous and um, because people were just having a go and people can be ridiculously unkind sometimes and how it, um, you know, it drove her to the point where she felt depressed, she felt suicidal, she felt she had to drastically change her image to please everybody. And I think a lot of people relate to these things, especially when, they're, when people are being unkind, you know, with, with especially social media, that kind of thing. One of the most upsetting parts for me as well as seeing her so upset and, and, and trying to go through all these challenges, which was so unfair on her. I mean, you know, she, she's... Any of the things that people were saying about her, you know, oh, you're, you're this or you're that, she wasn't... She's not any of those things. I, I've never met her, but she seems like a lovely and beautiful and talented girl who has done really well for herself. She's clearly very talented, you don't get to win X Factor without being talented. So she's done so well for herself. So seeing her upset really upset me. I got quite emotional watching it, and I think a lot of people did. But one of the, one of the most sort of upsetting things that I also saw on it was how upset her mum was. And, and that really affected me because, because I think when people are being unkind or when people are being trolls on social media, when people are just having a go... It's not just the person, it's not just the person that you're talking about that it can affect, but that you, they don't think that there's other people involved too. Like Jessie is someone's little girl, you know, and her mum was so upset seeing her daughter that upset and also probably sort of seeing some of the comments herself um, must have been awful for her. And I can definitely relate to that. Like just this week, I've had my own mum on the phone because she'd seen, you know, m my mum en enjoys social media like anyone else. So it goes on Facebook and chats away to some of her friends and, and likes posting pictures. But while she was on there, she's seen an article by 
by one of the media outlets that we have in this country. So, you know, one of the online newspapers had written an article and that gets sort of printed everywhere. Um, and it was something about me. It was a complete fabrication with sort of made, it was a completely made up story with made up quotes by, you know, it just said, it, you know, they're sort of having a, having a go when they say a source said, um, a source can mean anything, you know, or anyone, probably their mate or themselves can, can be the source. And they had all these sort of made up quotes and, and, and painted me in, in a certain way that, that wasn't very nice. And my mum sees it. She gets a bit upset about it. Um, she knows it's not true, but it still sort of upsets her a little bit. Then she tries to move on, but then she sees the comments underneath it. And what happens is that people sort of, feed into it and and people believe what they read sometimes i know people are doing that less and less but but you know some people do believe what what they're reading in these in these online newspapers and there's all these comments sort of having a pop at me saying oh he's this and he's that calling me names oh he's so arrogant he's blah blah blah, blah. all these people that have, have never met me or you know <laughs> don't know anything about me but feel the need to have a go at me on on Facebook and then my mum sees all that and she was really upset and, and she felt the need to call me and she was saying what do I do about it do I write something do I, and, and I just told her in the end no just just don't look at it and just um you know just just leave it alone ignore it you know it it, it doesn't matter but um so I really related to some of that in the documentary yeah that must have been incredibly upsetting for for everyone involved what Jesse Nelson was having to go through all of not just her, but her friends and her family, her boyfriend, like all, all, all of the people around it. And I think when people are trolling people, they don't think about the effect it can have on the person they're talking about or because they just either imagine the person won't see it or they imagine that the, that person is, you know, thick skinned and will probably just deal with it. And, and if they don't deal with it, then they should be more thick skinned. Um, you know, and they don't think about all the other people that might see it that, that surrounds that person. Yeah, the documentary affected me sort of so deeply that I got inspired to just maybe explore it a little bit and, and explore the nature of people being unkind to other people, people, especially in terms of sort of online or people having a go at people and, and, and saying things like, what is it really all about? What does it come down to? What, why do people do it and how do you deal with it? So what makes people do it? What, what are the reasons behind people going on the attack? What, what are the reasons behind people talking negatively about other people or, you know, trying to, trying to bully other people, try, trying to, um, yeah, I suppose the word that we all use at the moment is troll other people. Um, and I was wondering if there is sometimes, I know obviously not in all cases, but um, I'm wondering what the, what the correlation is between success and the, the amount that you get trolled. Now, Jesse Nelson was talking on, on the documentary about the night that she won X Factor, the night that Little Mix won X Factor. And she went back that night and was just having a horrible time because immediately she checked her social media and there are these horrible comments saying, Jesse, you're this, you're that. Um, you shouldn't be in this band. You should never have won. You're a disgrace. You're, you know, and things as horrible as like, you should go and kill yourself. Like really, really. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a terrible thing to say to anyone. And so it's interesting to me that that was the feeling she had on the night that she won because I wonder what the comments were for the rest of the series because you know if, if 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 it's the night that she won that she's getting the worst comments then that means that people are not happy about the fact um that she's won so it's linked to success because she was the same person looked the same sings the same um has the same personality throughout the whole series so it, it's not a case of they just really hate this person or she's done anything so wrong to them it's the actual event of her winning where people get their back up and that's really interesting to me because it sort of highlights an awful lot of things i think in this country in particular or in the uk we have a really difficult relationship with success i think in america 
people can really get behind success. If, if someone's really successful, in general, people like it in America. They get excited by success and they champion successful people. And, and they say, you know, that they're, they're so talented. Um, in this country, we kind of, we love the underdog. We, we, we love someone who is doing their best. If they're doing their best, we want to get behind them. And especially if they, if they haven't become ultimately successful yet, then we feel like we want to be on their side and we want to help them on that journey. We want to be a part of their journey. As soon as they become really successful, then <laughs> I feel like uh, we, we sort of, we take against them because it becomes, oh, who, they've got too big to their boots. They've, they've uh, forgotten where they come from. Um, who do they think they are? And that's when the, the, the media get on top of them because the media don't like people being over successful. So the media try and bring them down and the trolls come out and, and, and have a go. So there's something to be said for people just not liking people being too successful. Um, that certainly happened. I, I've sort of told this story before. I think I told it in, in, in episode one of the, of this show, but I, I saw a similar thing when, when I was dancing with Susanna Reed on my first episode, my first series of Strictly in that she like towards the beginning of the series, everyone knew who she was. Um, they'd seen her on BBC breakfast that they knew what she was about as a, as a person or they thought they did. She was doing her best in the competition and everyone was enjoying it because she was having a good go, but she, you know, she wasn't, she, she hadn't had any dance training. She wasn't the, the, the best immediate, you know, off from week one dancer in the competition. Um, so everyone was behind her at that point. Then when she started to get towards the end of the competition, people started, some people were starting to go, wow, this is great. Uh, our sort of hero is, is, is doing well and we're all behind her. And some people started to turn on her. By the end of the competition, when she was in the final of Strictly, it's like everyone wanted to sabotage her. People, the trolls were coming out. The media were taken against her. And then the final sort of nail in the coffin for the trolls was when she took a new job to go and work at Good Morning Britain. And she told me that the, the, the driving factor behind that was that she wanted to spend more time with her kids. And taking that job would mean that she'd be in London more rather than Manchester, which meant she got to spend more time with her kids. But the effect from the sort of perception of people was that she'd suddenly lost her roots and she got really ambitious and that she'd, you know, she was becoming this really successful thing and, and therefore they took against her. So I definitely saw that happen and, and I really felt for her at the time, but it's a similar sort of thing to the Jesse Nelson situation where People, people were probably quite behind her before she won X Factor and then she wins X Factor and everyone gets angry. And I've seen a bit of that, you know, for, for myself, obviously when, um, before Strictly, I'm not getting trolled because people don't know who I am really, obviously, or, you know, the media certainly have no interest. Then I get on Strictly and I wasn't sort of immediately seen as one of the you know, immediate threats to becoming a really successful guy on the show. I was some pasty kid from Grimsby and people were sort of behind me and, and um, people were fine with it and sending me lovely messages. As soon as I started doing well on Strictly Come Dancing, you know, more and more haters come out. The trolls start coming out. Um, media stories start, start coming into play, trying to sort of make me look bad. And then since winning Strictly on the last series... Um, I've definitely seen uh, um, more and more trolls come out and start saying things about me. The media have certainly taken more of an interest and, and, and their interest is in, it, for the most part, sort of in the negative. How can, how can we say something that's going to that's gonna knock him? So it's interesting that, that there's this sort of link to when people get more and more successful, people feel the need to, to knock them down. And I just wonder what that says about us in general as people because I think I think people feel insecure when they see other people doing well so I think I think what happens is it stirs up things in ourselves when we see other people doing well because 
probably underneath, we all want to do really well. We, we all want to do the best we can in, you know, whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. We all want whatever success means to you. We all want success. So when we see other people being successful, it stirs up something in us that says that person's doing really well. There's an insecurity underneath going, maybe I'm not doing as well as I would like to. I, I would like to do as well as that person. Why is it that person and not me? Or why am I not achieving the things I want to achieve in the same way that they are? And so this sort of insecurity kicks in. And at that point, you've got two options. You can either see them as an idol and, and, and see them as, as a role model and say, I'm going to work really hard and use them as a role model to be as successful as them. Or you can try and knock them down so that you pull them down back to your level and, and so that you don't feel as bad because actually you develop this opinion that they're not as successful as they think they are. So you wouldn't want to be like them anyway. So it's this sort of idea of competition that, that brings about ego and insecurity in people that I, that I think like, or I would imagine triggers people into trolling even if they don't know they're doing it they're just they're just coming out with these ideas these opinions of oh well I don't think they're very good I don't think they're this I think they're ugly I think they're talentless I think that because it makes it makes you feel better about yourself if you know you're bringing that successful person down so I talked in my first episode about um about 18 months ago I did a Tony Robbins course and Tony Robbins is sort of a, um, I guess the world's premier life coach. He's coached, you know, some really successful people like, um, Serena Williams, um, Usher, Hugh Jackman. And he's, he's really got a lot of interesting things to say. And one of the things he, he, he talked about were these sort of six basic human needs. And those were the six basic human needs that, that Tony was saying that every sort of decision that you make comes down to were love, certainty, variety, or, or also you could say uncertainty, growth, contribution, and significance. So if you go through them, like we, we, could, we could do a whole episode on this, but to go through them quickly, like all, all the, the sort of six things that people want and, and base all their decisions on, um, love is an obvious one. Everybody sort of needs love in, in, in some form. So they make their decisions because they, they, want, they want love in their life, in, in whatever form, family or relationship or, you know, kindness. Certainty, um, you know, can be, can be things like buying a house or uh, keeping a steady job or, um, you know, a, a long-term relationship or daily sort of habits, um, just any, anything that is a, is a constant in your life. You make that decision because you, you enjoy that certainty that this is what's going to happen and I'm comfortable with that. Or there's, there's number three, there's variety, which is sort of uncertainty. The, they feel that they want to change things up. They feel that they want, um, you know, that's, that's like, I'm going to go on holiday to this place because I've never been there before. I'm going to take on this completely new job. Um, you know, they want some sort of variety in their life. They want something different. They're, they're, they, they don't want boredom of, of certainty. One is growth, as in you want to improve in some way. You want to be a better person. You want a promotion in your job, more, more money, or it, it can be anything. Just, just you, you want to get better at playing football. Growth is, is sort of that you're constantly improving on something in, in some way. Number five would be contribution, and that's that we, we want to, as humans, we want to help. We, we want to, yeah, con contribute, and that, that could be anything like just helping anybody in any way or, or helping a charity or giving some advice to someone. But the, the one I'm really interested in right now in relation to what we're talking about is significance, the sixth one, because I think people often make decisions based on significance. People want to, at different stages in their life, they want to feel some sort of significance. They, they want to be recognized. They want to make an impact on something. Um, they want to be remembered for something. They, they, they want to stand out. They, they want to achieve. And 
And this can be a cause of, th- this is where sort of, it's not a bad thing. Like, it's not a bad thing to want significance. If, if, if you want to achieve in something, you want to achieve in something. Or if you want to stand out, you want to stand out. But sometimes it's a dangerous thing because it, it's this that can lead to the sort of insecurity or jealousy in the ego, which can lead people into, you know, doing things like trolling Jesse Nelson or, or trolling anybody. Now, to talk about my situation and my past, there's definitely been times in my life where I have felt that, uh, that I've been this kind of person that is just searching for significance, basically out of some sort of insecurity. Um, and anyone who's listened to episode one of the Kevin Clifton Show will know that there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of insecurities going on in, in, in my head uh, for most of my life. But the way it used to sort of manifest itself for me was um, I sort of years ago, I'm not so much now, but years ago, I was really, really opinionated on everything. And like I had these sort of musical music tastes and, and movie tastes and like my taste on anything or my opinion on anything. Everyone had to hear it. I couldn't just have that opinion for myself. And like, I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. So like, if I was acting today like I used to act, say, who's someone who's really successful? Um, I don't know, Ed Sheeran. So Ed Sheeran, really, really successful musician, singer, pop star. Now, Ed, Ed Sheeran is, is not necessarily sort of my normal musical taste. I normally sort of listen to sort of heavier rock. But, you know, obviously Ed Sheeran is really talented. If someone puts, would have put on an Ed Sheeran album or, or, or song around me sort of about 10, 15 years ago. I, w- I wouldn't have been able to hold back. I would have had to have let that person know why Ed Sheeran is rubbish and Ed Sheeran is like, why I wouldn't listen to Ed Sheeran. And he's not as good as you think he is because X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. And it was really bloody annoying. I used to be so annoying with, with, with all of that. And I'm, I'm sure I used to get on everyone's nerves because they don't care about my opinion. They just want to enjoy their music. And like, why, why do I feel the need to like not let them enjoy that music? Like if they like Ed Sheeran, they listen to Ed Sheeran, you know, um, same as I listen to my rock music or, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan. There's loads of people I know who aren't. Um, you know, each to their own, everyone should be able to do whatever they want. But <laughs> I was so opinionated, I'd have to let them know, no, Ed Sheeran's rubbish because X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 and be really sort of, you know, almost acting like a troll. And the reason I think is because I was after some sort of significance. I, I wanted people to know, like, I'm cleverer than you. You just, you just like Ed Sheeran because everyone likes him. You've been told to listen to him, but I don't. I listen to this band who you've never heard of because they're more interesting because da, 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 da. Now, at the end of the day, who cares what I'm listening to or what they're listening to? But for, but for some reason, it was important for me to let them know that. And I guess it's because I wanted some sort of significance, some sort of identity that said, I am like this. I listen to this kind of music and therefore you should consider me in a certain way. You should think of me like this. Um, and that has to be born out of insecurity because if I was totally insecure in myself at the time, then it wouldn't matter, would it? It wouldn't matter what, what kind of music anyone's listening to. I would just put on my music on my headphones and not worry about what anyone else is listening to. Um, but I wanted everyone to know and, and, and I'd be sort of angry about everything and I'd go on rants all the time about people's tastes and opinions and, and I'd let them know why they're wrong. And, and it was just bloody exhausting and bloody annoying. Um, but all born out of an insecurity that probably came from Ed Sheeran. <laughs> this didn't happen, by the way. Ed Sheeran's just an example that there's <laughs> the first successful person I could think of. But whoever the person was that I was talking about back then this person is really successful and underneath i'm probably thinking i'm not as successful as i would like to be therefore i need to pull ed sheeran down 
and also pull that person down who's listening to Ed Sheeran just so everyone knows that I don't care about the success of that person because I do my own thing and therefore, you know, I'm happy. When probably underneath I wasn't happy because I wasn't as successful as I wanted to be at the time. I wasn't achieving what I wanted to achieve. Now, it's the same thing with, with critics. Um, when, when sort of reviewers go to review a show or a movie or when people write a, a sort of a, a blog or in, in a newspaper talking about something, about a work of art, their, their job is that they're, they're a critic. Sometimes I get the feeling that if, if critics um, only ever said, this is great, this is why I like it, whatever the thing is, they would feel like other people would find them not very intelligent. So for a critic to sound knowledgeable and intelligent on a subject, they have to sort of criticise and take it apart. So I find a lot of people that... When they're, when they're talking about something, reviewing something, um, or, you know, writing a blog, whatever, whatever it is, they're criticizing something, they become sort of overly critical. They become like, oh, I don't like this. This was rubbish. This was, you know, and, and or they take to, people take to forums and they take to Twitter to do that, to go, well, I didn't like this because X, Y, and Z. Now, a lot of the time I find that the, the sort of undertone of all of that is probably more to do with them trying to say, look at me, I don't follow the masses. I, I'm knowledgeable. I'm more knowledgeable than you on this subject. I know a lot about this and I'm intelligent. Therefore, I'm going to tell you everything that was wrong with this and why, why it's wrong. So the, so the critique is more about them than than it is about the actual thing itself, like the, the, the undertone of it. And, and it's kind of the same thing with trolls. And that's why people do it. That's why people take to Twitter. They see someone being successful. They want to be significant themselves. So they criticize and say, I don't like it because da 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 da. And the more, the more it stirs up in them, the sort of angrier they get and the more hurtful things they're going to try and say because they don't want that person to think that they're successful because they don't like it. Um, I, I hear a lot of people sort of with, with a lot of opinions on things like um, people will, will talk about a, a movie that they've never seen with all these opinions on it, probably because they've heard, you know, even if they haven't seen it, they've heard um, Mark Kermode, you know, a, a famous movie critic, um, say something about it. Now, I know people that have taken Mark Kermode's opinion. And by the way, I think Mark Kermode is, is brilliant. I, I love the uh, Wittertainment podcast. If, if anyone else is interested in podcasts, that's, def that's one I've been listening to for years. Um, the movie reviews with Simon Mayo and, and Mark Kermode. It's, it's just brilliant. And I think Mark Kermode is, is brilliant. But I know people that listen to Mark Kermode talking about movies. They haven't seen the movie and then if someone goes, oh, I went to see that movie at the weekend, loved it. And then that person goes, well, I'll tell you why I don't like it or why I'm not going to see it because X, Y, and Z and spouts off Mark Kermode's opinion on it, even though they haven't seen it themselves. Now, why would anyone do that? It's just surely to, so that they can feel significant in some way. So it feels like they've got an opinion because people feel significant when they've got an opinion on something especially if it's, if it's one that, yeah, a negative one to go against everyone else's positive ones, because then they feel that they stand out a bit and they're a bit more intelligent about it, a bit more cynical. Um, I remember um, when there's a famous flamenco dancer, Joaquin Cortez, and I remember talking with someone, a fellow dancer at one point, he'd just done this, this thing and just this performance on TV and he was amazing. And, and I went, and, and everyone was sort of talking about him. And I remember saying, oh, did you see that thing last night? Did you see Joaquin Cortez dancing? And, and sort of a few people going, yeah, yeah, great, 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 great. And I said it to one person and he went, yeah, but he's not the best. And it was such a real funny moment for me because I was like, well, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not comparing him to anyone. I'm, I'm not, I didn't say he's the best or not the best. I was just saying it was amazing. But I felt like that person in that moment wanted to get it across to me that 
Yeah, Joaquin Cortez is a really famous flamenco dancer, but I know of other ones. I've seen other ones that, that are better than him. So it's like, it felt like he wanted to prove to me that, that, <laughs> that he was a bit more knowledgeable than me about flamenco dancers and he'd seen more and experienced more. But again, it's this sort of slight insecurity and need for significance in some way that plays about with the ego that causes people to say negative things towards people or to have a go at someone. Um, now, that, that's people in general. That, that's, I think that's one of the main reasons why people feel the need to go onto, say, Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, and, um, and have a go at someone and try and let them know that they don't like them or say some comment to upset them. It's out of that sort of deeper need inside for their own insecurity or ego or need for significance. So you have to sort of put that on them. That's people in general, but also there's another side to it when it comes to really successful people. Um, that is the media. And I think the media, you know, sort of the press, newspapers, you know, commentators, journalists, um, they sort of do it for a different reason. So, I mean, there are some journalists that, um, that, that seem to have a bit of an insecurity. So they sort of consistently have a go at people and, and seem to be consistently sort of angry at, at other people. And I'm sure we can all think of names, but I'm not interested in, in sort of getting into that. But, you know, and, and, and cl so clearly there are ones that are just a bit insecure in themselves and their own success. So they feel that they have to have a go at other people all the time. But in general the media have a different agenda. And the, th the thing about the media is with, with newspaper, it used to be that everyone was buying newspapers all the time and that's how we'd consume our news. And also on TV, there was only a few channels. Um, any kids <laughs> listening to this um, won't understand what I'm talking about. But like when I was a kid, there was only a few channels on TV. And so if you're going to get your news, you'd either read a newspaper that came out each day and you'd, you'd, you'd just accept what was written in that newspaper or you'd watch, uh, you know, the, the news at 10 or, or whatever on, on, on the BBC. Um, and that would be when, where you'd get your news. Now there's so much out there. There's so much content. There are so many different TV channels and therefore news channels as well, where, you know, there's 24 seven rolling news um, so you can get news at any time, but also we've got phones. So we've all got an app that where we can just click on the app and get, if we want to find out what's going on in the world, we can just do it immediately. And as a result, people are buying newspapers less and less because they sort of don't need it. The phone has taken over. Um, so now it's sort of within the media, it's more of a fight for attention. So the content itself start as for me started to become less and less important. And it's more about attention. How can we grab people's attention? Because also um, people's attention is so short nowadays, you know, like I, I can be, sometimes I can be watching a football match and it used to be that I would just watch the football match and that was it. Now I can be watching a football match for sort of five, six minutes. Then I'll probably pick up my phone and see who's just texted me or I'll look at, Instagram whilst the football's on. Um, and then I'll sort of, I'll turn the sound down and have a podcast on at the same time. So I'll go to the toilet, make a cup of tea, be listening to the podcast. The football's going on in the background, um, you know, and then I'll be doing something else on my phone and sort of, it's difficult to keep your attention on anything nowadays because everything's so quick and you've got access to sort of whatever you want. So everything has become a fight for attention. And that, has filtered its way now into sort of media and news. So you'll notice that when you, when you go on your sort of news apps, when, when you see things more often than not, it's, um, it's a, ha a headline that really grabs your attention and that's called clickbait. So they put these things out there called clickbait to, to draw you in, to, to catch your attention because they know that they've got a very small window to grab your attention. Now, most of the time it'll be, um, you know, Kevin Clifton said this, or you know, Je Jesse Nelson, what on earth was Jesse Nelson wearing at, the th at this event? Now the story might be pretty much nothing. The story could be 
Jesse Nelson was wearing a really nice outfit at this event. And that's it. But the headline will make you think that there's something really big and important going on. And, so, and usually that's something quite negative. Um, because, you know, something nice happening. So if they, if they were to write, um, Jesse Nelson enjoyed herself in the, in the singing studio today. That's a, that, that's a nice thing to read. You're probably not going to click on it. If, if they were to write, Jesse Nelson said this to, to one of her other bandmates, you might, it might grab your attention and you might click on it. And the story will probably end up being either a made-up story that's really dramatic or something that's out of context, blown out of proportion. Or it's a complete non-story like, Jesse Nelson said, I really like this song that we're working on. And that's the story. And then you sort of feel tricked and you go, oh, for God's sake. But the fact is they've, they've got you to click on it. And the reason that they want you to click on it is so that you spend more time around their site, which means they can sell more advertising. So you, you clicking on their headlines and, and then engaging with it is, uh, is money to them. Now, most of the time it, to, to make people stay there and engage with it, they sort of get people mad. They've got to get people outraged. That's why a lot of the time you're seeing on social media or on the news, people are outraged all the time. Like no one can just have a simple debate about anything anymore or a simple conversation. Everything has to come down on into sort of a tribal warfare. It, it, it's like, I'm on this side of the argument and I'm outraged. And, and then someone, that'll get someone else's back up and go, well, I'm on this side of the, the argument and I'm outraged too. And then they start fighting with each other. And the newspapers don't really care what side you're on or what your opinion is. They just want you to get mad so that you can engage with what they've written, which means you're spending more time with their story, which means they can sell to advertisers. But the, the consequence of that is that they're constantly getting people mad. They're constantly getting people angry. And then if people's emotions are, are so sort of stirred up and they're getting angry, then they're going to write more horrible things. So if someone's, you know, planted some story about David Beckham that, you know, is probably blown out of proportion or out of context or it's made up. Um, but they've made him, it's quite a negative story. They've made him look like a bad guy then people are going to get involved and, and, and say, well, David Beckham this and David Beckham that. And then they'll take to his, you know, Instagram or Twitter and, and say, well, you did this and I can't believe you would say that. Da, 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 da. Probably having no idea about any kind of context of the story, not knowing that it was all kind of a bit made up or blown out of a proportion um, and having never met him in, in their lives, don't know anything about him. And people just get, people just get mad. And then that can lead to, to trolling. So I think that's another reason why people do it. So, so I think on one side, the, the first one that we talked about was people's own sort of insecurity and their need for significance and need to establish themselves as they have a voice and they have an opinion, um, you know, and don't, don't go thinking that you're really successful um, because underneath that insecurity is saying, I wish I was as successful as that. Um, you know, you can't just sort of be happy for someone. The second one is I, I think the media probably need to have a rethink about their role in, in how they encourage people getting angry and they encourage trolling and that, that they encourage people to say bad things by writing so many sort of negative stories in the fight. And I, I, I sort of understand what they're doing. You know, it, it's at the end of the day, they're just people with jobs and they're trying to do their best. They're trying to, you know, help their newspaper or, you know, media outlet survive and, and earn more money. They're, they're, they're just doing their best in, in their own life. That's what all, to be honest, that's all anybody's ever doing is doing their best within their situation. But sometimes what they do can really lead to, to a lot of trolling and a lot of online sort of unkindness. And the subject of it, or the, or the person, or we can call them the victim, whatever you want to call them, is the one that is left having to deal with the consequences. 
And also, you know, people around them, as we've said, like it was heartbreaking seeing Jesse Nelson's mum be, being so upset about the situation with her daughter who, who was so upset. Now, I've seen some argument from, uh, you know, from, say, people who are being unkind at the time, trolls or, or you know, journalists or whatever it is, that their argument is, well, you've got to grow some balls. Don't be a victim. It's your choice to take offence. I don't give offence. You take offence. Um, you know, don't be so, don't be so weak. Why is everyone like, why is everyone a snowflake? Why is everyone this, you know, oh, this sort of victim mentality and their favourite word at the moment to describe anyone who's offended is woke. Oh, they're so woke, blah, 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 blah. So they put all this blame on the person. So again, it's like just having a go at someone, making them feel bad, encouraging other people to have a go at that person and then saying... Well, I, it's your choice to take offence. And, you know, you've, you've got to grow some balls. And I don't know, I, I, I sort of get that. Um, I get the argument if we are having a debate about something, if we have a difference of opinion, like if we're debating politics, then everyone should be allowed to sort of say what they want, should be able to have a voice and... If we're, you know, just debating how the world works, then, yeah, don't be too much of a victim all the time. And, and you, you, should, uh, you should have some sort of, you know, you should grow some balls and don't, don't, don't only play the victim all the time if someone has a different opinion to you on, on something. But when it comes to just kindness, I don't really see the argument there because surely just, just being... Just being kind to someone, just making a decision not to be unkind is not that difficult. Like if you feel really strongly about which way you'd like to vote or something in a general election and you really feel the need to put that out there, then, then sure. But I'm not sure that how necessary it is for people just to be unkind to someone. And you might say, well, they should have more balls about them. Or that, you know, that it's their decision to take offence. But I think what the evidence would suggest that whether, whether you like it or not, or whether you think that people should just put up with it or not, watching things like the Jesse Nelson documentary the other night suggests that it is difficult for people. It doesn't matter what your opinion is on that. The evidence is it is really difficult. Jessie Nelson, and I think she was so brave in that documentary, coming out and saying everything that she said and talking about it. I, I really, I can't applaud her enough. I think she's, I think she's really incredible um, for everything that she was saying. And she clearly was finding it difficult, whether, you know, whether the, the, the bully or the troll likes it or not. She was finding it difficult, and so were people around her, her bandmates, her friends, her family. So, you know, it, maybe just think about that. If, if you are someone that's, that's decided to say something unkind to someone, just maybe think, how necessary is it? How necessary is it for me to say this? Is it an important point? Or are you just being un unkind? Because I don't think that unkind, just, just being unkindness, sorry, being unkind for no reason is really that necessary. So then we come on to like, how do you, how do you deal with it? If, if, if you are being, if you feel you're being bullied, if someone's saying horrible things about you, if, if you're being trolled online, or if you're a successful person who's sort of having things written about you in, in media or press or, or whatever, like how do you deal it, with it? Now I'm not the best at this. I, I don't have all the answers. I've certainly got upset sometimes when things have been written to me or about me. Um, the most obvious thing that sort of everyone says is, well, just ignore it. You've got to ignore it. And I think if you can ignore it and just don't even bother with it, don't give it a second's thought. There's, there's that thing of what's the saying? If it's, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't, don't spend more than five minutes even thinking about it. There's, there's that way of thinking. So I, th I, Definitely, if you can, ignore it. 
ignore someone just having a go because actually it's nothing to do with you. Anyone else's opinions on anything are nothing to do with you or that it's to do with them and what they're going through and their life and their opinions. Um, it actually is nothing, nothing to do with you whatsoever. So if you can ignore it, ignore it. But that's obviously easier said than done. I think a good way of thinking about it is you have to consider who's writing the things that they're writing. Like, is it, who's writing? Is it someone you've never met? Is it just literally a faceless sort of, um, their profile doesn't have their picture on it and it's a load of numbers or something on Twitter or on Instagram or, you know, whatever. Um, and it's someone that's never met you, doesn't know anything about you. Is, is it that, or is it someone that you respect? So, you know, if, if someone who I really respect, like, um, if, if Jason Gilkison, who has been my sort of dance mentor for, for years says, Kevin's crap at the cha-cha-cha, then obviously I'm going to take that on board because I respect his opinion. If some random who I've never met before on social media goes, Kevin's crap at the cha-cha-cha, then there's sort of no point in even considering that opinion because I don't know who, who that is or what might be their motive or agenda for saying it. And if they've decided to take to social media to make a comment, they've, they've taken time out of their day to go onto social media, to go to your profile or your comment, click on it and decide to write blah, 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 blah. I hate you, kill yourself, whatever then there has to be some sort of insecurity in them because nobody who is secure in themselves, no one who's happy in their life, no one who's really achieving and feel good, feels good about it is, is going to bother with just sort of going around having a go at people because they feel fine in themselves. They feel secure in themselves. It's only the people who don't feel secure in themselves and they have that insecurity within their own sort of ego that are constantly digging people out, that are constantly having a go, calling people names, you know, um, just talking negatively about them, slagging them off. It must be that there's an insecurity in them. And you have to remember that just because someone says something about you doesn't make it true. Like, I, I, could, I could go onto Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, whatever, right now and write... Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I could write Bruno Tognoli is an idiot. Like I could now, God, I'm going to, I'm probably going to regret saying that because what the media is going to do now is they'll listen to this podcast and that will be their headline. Kevin says Bruno Tognoli is an idiot <laughs> completely out of context. So if you're one of them journalists right now, don't be an ass. Just, you know what I'm saying? I'm using a complete example of something that I would never say. So if I went and said that, that doesn't mean that he is one. It doesn't, you know, if, or let, let's take anything strictly out of it. If I said David Beckham's an idiot, it doesn't mean David Beckham is an idiot. It just means that I've said that. So if, if you know, whoever is saying something about you online doesn't mean that it's true. So you don't have to let that comment in to your psyche, into your um, the way that you think about yourself, because it's just someone saying something. So, because what we do, so I've, um, I have acting lessons. Um, I've been having acting lessons so far with a, with a guy called Matt Zena. And one of the, one of the first lessons that I had with him, we read a script, uh, only like, like literally two pages of a script, two very short pages and it was from something that I'd never seen before, a TV show that I'd never seen. I had to be, you know, this character and, and, and he was the other character. And at the end of the script, I had no context to go on. It was from like, you know, episode 15 of series, whatever, of something I'd never seen before. And he said, right, two pages. Now I want you to write down five characteristics that you think of, of this character having read these two pages of script, what do, and remember, I know nothing about this character, write down five characteristics of this character. So I wrote, I thought, right, I'm going to get stuck into this. And I wrote down five things, five words 
that were that I thought really related to what this character's personality was. Then, then he said to me, right now, choose one of them that you think is strongest within them five in that character. So I did that. And then he went on to say, right, it doesn't actually matter what you've written down. Whatever you've written down, the fact is you don't know this character. It's a fictional character. You've never seen the show. You don't know the slightest thing about him. But you've written down five things. Now, what we do as humans is we reflect ourselves on other people. So he said, you'll probably find that at least three of them characteristics are characteristics that are quite strong in yourself. And I read through them and it was like, oh my God, absolutely. Like I'm, I've written down a few things here and I'm literally just describing myself because as an actor, you, you always sort of bring yourself to a part. That, that there's parts within yourself somewhere that you bring to the character because in any, in any sort of person that we don't know, we reflect ourselves in, in that person. So that's why sometimes like... Um, when we're watching someone, we assume that we know what's going on in their head. We, we, if someone's done something really good, sometimes you might think, oh, look at them. They, they think they're the shit. You know, they, they think that they think they're really cool. They think they're brilliant. They do. Well, we actually don't know. It might be that in ourselves, we kind of think we're really cool or we're really brilliant. And we're just reflecting that on them and we're getting a bit angry about it. You know, so, so that's what we do. We reflect ourselves on other people, especially if we don't know them. So when people are having a go at you on, online, some, some random who's never met you on, on Twitter or whatever, writes a comment about you, all they're doing is reflecting themselves on you. And like I say, it'll have, the, the whole reason they've gone there in the first place is born out of insecurity. They're looking for some sort of significance. So if someone says oh, I, I hate their face, they're really ugly. There's probably a good chance that the person writing it feels a little bit ugly within themselves because otherwise there's just no reason for them to like it, to, to write it because that person, if they felt really confident in themselves about how they looked, there is absolutely no reason for them to take to Twitter and talk about how you look because they just feel fine like, within themselves. So if like, I'm, I'm a dancer, obviously, I don't dance on Strictly Come Dancing. There's no way that I'm going to go to a beginner's ballroom dancing competition and start talking crap about them, start slagging them all off, going, oh, they're not very good. They're rubbish. They've clearly only been doing it for a couple of months. Because there's just no reason for me to do that. That's just blatant unkindness. Like the only, the only reason I might get a bit sort of... Uh, well, jealous, say, of another dancer is if I think they're quite good. If and I've certainly experienced that, you know, there's been other dancers in the past that have been really unkind to me. And it's probably because they saw me as a bit of a threat. They thought, oh, he's, he's looks like he's starting to do really well. Let's talk negatively about him. And like I say, when I was sort of 10, 15 years ago, when I was really, in, really insecure and, and real opinionated, I've done that to other dancers too. There'll have been someone that I've seen who's just dancing great and they're really achieving. And, and, that, and I would have looked for a reason to go, well, I don't think they're that good because X, Y, and Z. But the truth would have been, I just, you know, I'm not confident in myself in, inside. And, and I would have gone, oh, he's, he's just trying too hard. And probably inside I'd be thinking, I'm trying too hard. I'm trying really hard. Because that's what we do. We reflect ourselves on other people all the time and we assume that we know what they're thinking when actually we don't know the slightest thing um, about those people. Also, things like Twitter and Facebook gives you no context. So most of the, like if I look through a load of my comments on, on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, most of the people that are commenting, I don't know them at all. So you can't get a read on who it is that's commenting or why or what their agenda is. So it could be that, um, and Ricky Gervais made a point on the Sam Harris podcast about this. Ricky Gervais said, it could be that one person is just sort of a bit of a madman 
who's going around shout, sort of drunk and shouting things at people all the time and is living in a bin that he might get on Twitter and go, Ricky Gervais is an idiot. The next person that might comment might be some sort of intellect, some sort of university professor or, you know, <laughs> scientist or something and writes, Ricky Gervais is an idiot. Now, clearly, the two opinions don't carry the same weight because one of them might be built on some sort of, he's listened to something Ricky has said and, and, and dissected it and, uh, you know, uh, appears to think that Ricky has got it completely wrong because of, the all, because of this big thesis. Whereas the madman who's drunk and living in a bin is just sort of randomly shouting things. So there's no context for all the people that, that are commenting. And I think what we do is when we get a negative comment, we always assume that that person is a perfectly sort of, um, they're a perfectly healthy mind and um, are very knowledgeable about what they're talking about and is a very sort of normal person. And therefore it hurts us. When actually that person might just be someone who's always angry about everything because of their own insecurity. It might be someone who's going through a rough time at the moment and then they're actually just not themselves right now when they don't really want to have a go at you. They're just not very mentally strong right now because something they've had a disaster, like some, something's happened in the family or, you know, they've had a tragedy, like just that they're not themselves at the moment. So you can't have any context attached to who's writing things about you or what their, what their agenda is. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I've, I've read things about myself at times and sometimes it gets me really down. Just recently, there's been a couple of stories about me written that I've, I don't know where they've come from. Like they've been completely fabricated. Um, and the agenda is clearly to try and make me look bad because they feel like, you know, especially when Strictly comes around, um, I won Strictly on the last series with Stacey Dooley. So saying things about me at the moment and clickbaity headlines that make me look bad are going to get attention. So there's been a couple of things. And, you know, I, I read things sometimes and and it, and it can get upsetting, you know, if, if you let it in. And, and I'm all of this stuff that I'm sort of saying of, of ways to handle things, I'm not always the best at doing it myself. I just know that this is what we sort of all need to do. Um, and things do get me down. Um, there, there was a thing on, uh, as I'm recording this right now, that this week um, there was a program on Strictly the Professionals and um, they showed a clip about how I got rejected for, for Strictly Come Dancing twice. And then I, I filmed a trailer where I was um, basically in a morph suit lifting everybody about to be, to be then rubbed out of the trailer so no one could see me. I was sort of an invisible dancer. And, the, and I just posted it because it was quite a funny little clip. And I, and I put a little comment about, so, you know, telling everyone, so never give up. Always keep persisting. Always keep trying because I got knocked back twice. I was rubbed out of the trailer. Wasn't a part of it all. But in the end, it all came good. I got the job on Strictly just through persistence. Now, a lot of people wrote, yeah, that's a great message. And yeah, that's, that's really nice. Some people came back and went, I wish you'd stop trying. I, w I wish we never had to see you on our screens again. You're the worst dancer on Strictly. You don't. You shouldn't be on the show. Um, one of them just came in, came in and went tosser. <laughs> Spelt it wrong. <laughs> just called me a tosser, sort of for no reason, like like out of out of nowhere. So I get that sort of thing, and 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 you either let it in and it hurts you for a bit. Or you try not to even think about it. One of them I just replied to in, in kind, I think it was the Tosser one, actually. I, I just made a comment back and said, you know, I, I really hope that, I really hope you're okay. Um, you know, I don't know why you've come onto Twitter to, to do that. Um, there was a, there's a, you know, forums and things like that on the internet where when I first came onto Strictly and first had a bit of profile, some of the other dancers at the time warned me about certain forums that they said there's certain forums out there that are just full of nastiness. It's just people who sort of don't know what they're talking about really, but they're just criticizing and criticizing and, and having a go at everyone. And um, they said, you mustn't look at this forum or that forum because it's just full of nastiness. But of course we're human. So at some point I looked and there were so many negative comments about me 
like just people who have clearly never met me having a go talking sort of presuming to know everything about me and and my mind and what I'm thinking and why I'm rubbish and and why I don't deserve to be on the show and um about my appearance and just uh, about the celebrity whatever celebrity I was dancing with and Oh, it, it was just so horrible. And, and, and I looked at it and thought, oh, God, that's why they told me not to read it, because <laughs> this is awful. And I got really down and it really affected me. And I was so sad. Like, why are people, why are people feeling this way? Because as much as we shouldn't care what, what anyone else says, we're human. So there's a part of us that goes, oh, I don't want people to say nasty things about me. I don't, don't like it. It's not, it's not nice. We want to hear nice things and we want to... We want positivity. We don't want people having a go at us all the time. Um, and, and one of the sort of things that they were, that they were saying was that, um, oh, God, he's... Because I'm so sort of loud and extra on Strictly, <laughs> um, that people think that... People assume to know my mind, and then therefore they say I'm attention-seeking. When people that know me will... Or, or if you've listened to episode one of this show... You'll, you'll know that it's not born out of any kind of attention seeking. When I'm being really loud or sort of um, extra or excitable on the show, sort of hyperactive, it's born out of complete nervousness. Most of the time, like, like I'm just going on, I'm, about, I'm going on in front of 10 million people. Um, you know, I grew up in Grimsby. <laughs> it's not like that in Grimsby. Um, and I'm just nervous. And therefore, that it manifests itself in different ways. Some people go silent and some people get hyperactive. When I'm really nervous, I get hyperactive. And I tend to talk a lot and I shout a lot and I move about a lot. And, and that's all it is, is dealing with nerves. But then, this, basically, this is on the point of, of you can't assume that people know anything about you. You've got to think of the context of like who it is that's actually writing about you. Is it someone that you respect and want to know what they think? Or is it just someone who is, they're writing, oh, look at him, he thinks he's God's gift and he's attention-seeking. Are they just assuming that out of, you know, having never met you or, and in some way they're projecting themselves onto you because, you know, they're the one writing the comment, perhaps they're attention-seeking, which goes back to what we were saying about people want significance in their life. They just want to, some sort of respect or, you know, yeah, significance, which is what Tony Robbins said. So there you go. Um, I'm not, like I say, I'm not the best at dealing with trolls or un unkindness. I do let it in sometimes. Um, it can affect, you know, like a lot of us, I think we all do it. And sometimes we'll, there'll be loads of nice comments, but then we'll find the one that's not nice. And that's the one that will ruin our day. But if, if we can use any tools to, to deal with it, then one, if you can, just ignore it because it's completely pointless and people will have forgotten about it by the next day and they'll be raging on about Brexit or you know, whatever, Donald Trump or something else the next day because when you, know, when you go on these forums or Twitter, you'd think there's a war going on everywhere in all walks of life. You know, two, try not to look at these things. But then if you, if you have to look and you see these negative comments, consider the context, consider who it is that is writing these things. Do you know them? If not, it really doesn't matter because it's probably them just reflecting themselves onto you and their own sort of insecurities. Something's happened. You've done some or said something that has played with their ego. They've decided that the best course of action is to drag you down, is to be unkind to you. And that's, and that's all it is. They're just fighting for significance, and we all do that at, at times. So one of the best ways that I've found to deal with it at times, as I mentioned with that other one who called me a totter, is just to maybe respond with a bit of kindness. And rather than trying to, you know, because if you try and have a go back, you just end up in a bit of a circle. Like you, because you have a go back and then that affects their ego even more. And, you know, their, their sort of perception of their own significance, because they're, they're not going to want to back down in a fight because then their ego gets bruised and their significance isn't as big as they want it to be. So they just fight back again, even if they don't mean it. 
And then you just end up in an argument and nobody ever wins. So sometimes just respond with a bit of kindness. You don't know what that person's going through. And, and, and you just say to them, you know, I, I hope you're okay. But, you know, whatever reason it is that's made you get onto, onto social media to, to have a go at me, you know, I hope everything's all right with, with your day and you, f- you don't feel the need to do that anymore. And often when you take that approach, um, they sort of back down. They either don't reply because they just feel a bit silly because they're probably just a human being that they, they probably had a moment of rage, they read something and, and they went, ah, and wrote something about you. And then they think, oh God, maybe I shouldn't have written that actually. Or, some, or sometimes, like I say, you never know what they might be going through and actually just showing them a bit of kindness might make them feel a bit better rather than having a go back. And, and often the, the people that, you know, that, that are writing things about you, they wouldn't say it directly to their face because actually people are not like that. Generally, when you meet people in the world, it, obviously there's exceptions, but in general, people just want to get on with their day and they want to, they want to be kind to everyone. Sometimes things happen that they get into, a, they get a bit angry, they get a bit insecure and they say things that perhaps they didn't mean. And, um, and they certainly wouldn't say it to your face. They've just taken to online because it's easier because no one can see them doing it and they don't think that you, you'll see it anyway or, you know, it's easier. It's, it's just a, a forum for them to get rid of their anger. So that's my thoughts on, on online trolling or, you know, I, I certainly think the media has a part to play in this. Don't worry about it too much if, if you can. And remember that anyone saying something about you is always to do with them. It's not about you. And I want to thank Jessie Nelson for making the documentary that she made. If you haven't seen it, I'm pretty sure it was called Odd One Out. Um, And I think it's on the BBC iPlayer. It was an extraordinary documentary, a bit upsetting to see what she had to go through. But I think her coming out and talking about it and opening up about it creates a real proper discussion and hopefully a rethink about how we conduct ourselves online. And I think she should be seen as a real hero for doing what she does. All right. Thanks, everybody. And um, see you again next time. Bye.